Ever wonder why we wash our hands, brush our teeth, but ignore the idea of cleaning our nose? Do you know that 80% of all respiratory illness starts in the nose? And do you suffer from allergies, a dry nose, or sinus issues? Maybe you use a CPAP or travel frequently. If so, you need the newest and best product in nasal healthcare and well-being. Nasal Cleanse is a comfortable and convenient way to clean and moisturize your nose at home or on the go. The unique cleansing wand is like a gentle toothbrush for the nose, and with the specially formulated antiseptic gel, Nasal Cleanse offers triple action relief of nasal symptoms. Gentle cleansing, reducing germs, and soothing moisturizing action. Nasal Cleanse for a fresh, clean, healthy nose. Listeners receive 20% off on all products. Go to nasalcleanse.com, that's N-A-S-O-C-L-E-N-Z.com, and enter promo code PPN4NASO. Nasal Cleanse is also available on Amazon. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Exciting for me when I'm able to bring guests to the Pharmacy Podcast Network who really understand the depths of different wellness, uh, care, treatment around very specific subjects. We've talked about rare diseases. We've done uh, continuing education through podcasting about, for example, hyperlipidemia or some skin um, disease that pharmacists gravitate towards that information because as you drive, as you're walking, as you're um, doing something where you're listening to your podcast, these kinds of, of topics that we can unravel with experts, it's important to us as a publication. I know it's important to you as a pharmacist who's caring for your patients. And telehealth focuses on weight, lifestyle management, obesity, treatment, and I'm so excited, um, a podcasting uh, team already, uh, Dr. Catherine Saunders, um, excited, so excited to have you here, and also uh, Ted Kyle. And um, we're going to get into um, who these people are um, on today's podcast. So welcome to the show, um, Catherine and Ted. Thanks for having us. Thank you. All right. Uh, Catherine, no, um, no stranger to the world of podcasting. What's it like to be a podcaster? It's a, it's a, it's a difference in presenting through video or or being in front of a, a live crowd. But how have you liked it, and and how has weight manage uh, weight matters um, kind of tied into in telehealth? Yeah, so we have a podcast called Weight Matters that I host with Dr. Lua Roney, who is uh, another one of our co-founders of IntelliHealth. Um, it's been incredible. We have one season so far with 12 episodes, ranging from everything from you know the biology of obesity to obesity and cancer, obesity and diabetes, obesity and orthopedic surgery, uh, obesity and COVID, obesity and weight bias. So we really explored so many fun topics that I, even as a, a, um, a host, learned so much about. So um, definitely check out our podcast, Weight Matters. Absolutely. 
Uh, episode one featured uh, one of my mentors who I uh, who's very dear to me in my profession, uh, Gil Bash with uh, Finn Partners. So shout out to Gil um, for being on Weight Matters. Um, Ted, I want you to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself in uh, Conscient Health and and how important this subject is to you personally. So I've been working on the uh, field of obesity for uh, more than two decades. Uh, I was involved in uh, developing the concept uh, and the uh, 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 rationale for taking Orlistat from prescription to non-prescription status with FDA approval. And in that process, I got to know most of the top experts in the field, including Dr. Aroni. And uh, then uh, when I left GSK in 2008, I was in a position to start Conscient Health and really connect with the professional organizations, the Obesity Society, of which Dr. Aroni was a president uh, and, uh, and, and also the, uh, obesity action coalition, which is a patient advocacy organization that was just getting started then. And I served on its board of directors for a dozen years. I served as its chair for, uh, for, for, for two years. And, uh, I, uh, publish a daily commentary on, uh, on health and obesity at conscienhealth.org. Uh, that reaches about 150,000 people each month and uh, uh, really connects me to just about everybody, <laughs> I like to think, uh, who really has a stake in obesity care. And I find it extremely rewarding. That's that's great. And I, I like the tie-in to tie into yourself and the experiences that you had where you're turning around and you're sharing that daily in your writings. Um, I was an avid blogger before podcasting. And then I think podcasting in ways has pulled me away from writing and I kind of miss it a little bit. So um, kudos to you um, and getting that information out there. Um, Catherine, your story is very unique. And that is uh, Dr. Luis, uh, Louis uh, Aroni, and you co-founded this organization and you were a fellow in obesity medicine um, and working with uh, with Dr. Aroni. I want to hear your story as 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 just a a table set for for our listeners and understanding your background. Sure. So I did all of my medical training at Weill Cornell first in internal medicine, and then I did a fellowship with Dr. Aroni. Um, I was the first clinical fellow in obesity medicine at Cornell and one of the first fellows in obesity medicine in the entire country. Um, I then practiced uh, at the Comprehensive Weight Control Center at Cornell for several years after my fellowship um, before Dr. Roney and my husband, actually, whose background is in um, finance and um, inefficient markets. Um, well, the three of us co-founded the company in 2019 um, in order to really bridge the supply demand mismatch between the millions of people who are eligible for medical weight intervention and the very few of us obesity medicine experts who are available. I'm literally still one of fewer than 120 now, I think, um, yes. obesity, tr fellowship trained obesity medicine physicians in the entire country. 
So we founded the company to scale and democratize access to the very high level, empathetic, compassionate, comprehensive kind of care that we deliver at the Weight Center at Cornell. We started with a software program because we thought, you know, the supply demand mismatch was so huge that we needed software to address the problem. But we very quickly had many, many, many requests to provide the care ourselves as well. So we never intended to get into clinical services, but um, to address the need, we ended up launching our telemedicine practice, which is called Flight Medical, F-L-Y-T-E. Um, and we are now in every single state. So we have advanced quite a bit in the last few years. And, you know, we're still working hard on our mission to, to scale and democratize access to effective and compassionate medical obesity treatment. Thank you for that uh, intro. That's incredible to set us up for what we're going to get into today. Our listeners, majority of them are pharmacists, some pharmacy technicians. What they have to experience daily in the retail setting is um, nothing sort, uh, short of um, sometimes a, a mismatch type of day with all kinds of things happening. But they are hit with so many questions from the public. And we were talking before we started re recording, and I use the, the term flash in the pan where you get the public who surges on specific keywords or uh, topics that come up on TikTok, for goodness sakes. And um, we're in this uh, realm of a quick fix, right? Everybody wants to be able to quickly fix something. And pharmacists are left at the counter trying to describe um, what is true healthcare, what is real wellness. <laughs> and so having the two of you uh, to talk about the the element and the the case and and where we're going with wellness around obesity is extremely important. So once again, thank you so much. So if I look up, if I take the word obesity medicine, I throw it into Google, I press enter and I go to the news section, I'm going to come up with, goodness gracious, probably two dozen um, articles that are going to pop up from the Wall Street, the Wall Street Journal, goodness gracious, the New York Times, Nature, um, the the Reuters, and everybody's talking about what do you know, uh, Ozempic and Wagobi, and the public immediately thinks, hey, quick fix, you know, now let me get involved in in this change in my life, and not that these medications aren't designed um, to work, of course they are, but there's so much more that goes into this. And pharmacists realize that, and they're looking at the patient across the, the counter, and they're like, okay, this isn't the end. This is just the beginning to something. So um, I want to start off um, with you, Catherine, and just just giving the, the listeners right now, our pharmacist right now, kind of the real deal of, of where we're at in obesity medicine and, and what kind of advice you have for them when they are... Um, asked you know for for and about uh these two uh substances that have been um nothing more than once again an explosion in in media and in and in our public so for many, many, many years, obesity was thought of as a lifestyle problem. And it was thought that you could just eat less and exercise more and lose weight and keep it off. But we now understand that that is absolutely not the case. And if that were the case, we wouldn't be in the middle of an obesity epidemic. We now understand that obesity is a disease with a distinct, you know, pathophysiology. So we can talk about, you know, 
physiologically what happens to the brain, what happens to the whole body when um, there's excess weight. But not only is obesity a disease, but obesity is a heterogeneous disease, meaning that it's different for everybody. And it's also extremely complex and it is um, chronic, meaning that we can't just take a medication and cure somebody's obesity. So the fact that obesity is a chronic, complex, heterogeneous, refractory, so difficult to treat, and chronic disease means that we can't just prescribe the same medication to everybody and tell them to stop taking it when they stop losing weight or when they reach their desired weight and expect to keep the weight off. The way to treat obesity, given everything that I just talked about that's associated with obesity, is to figure out for each person exactly what has led to weight gain. So what are the factors leading to weight gain? What are the barriers that are preventing weight loss? And then put all of those puzzle pieces together to really address every factor that can be addressed. Once that's done, you know, optimizing dietary strategy optimizing physical activity, optimizing behavior. And then once that is all optimized, figuring out what else is needed. And for most people with obesity, it is virtually impossible to lose a clinically significant amount of weight and more importantly, keep that weight off long-term without a medical intervention. So the standard of care now is to treat weight medically. So not only a very comprehensive evaluation, but incorporating advanced medical strategies, which sometimes include anti-obesity medications, which we'll get into to figure out, you know, exactly which medication or which combinations of medications are most appropriate for each individual, given their unique factors associated with excess weight. And I think of you know, the community pharmacy pharmacists that are out there listening right now, um, you know, where do you start in really helping to teach the providers um, where they should be start, where they should start when it comes to, you know, talking with their patients and having their patients understand obesity um, as, as Catherine has kind of set the stage for us? Well, yes, that's a, that's a real important question. And most people that you talk to think about obesity as almost like a a, a four-letter word, even though it's uh, more like about six. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, and 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 when I got started on this, I've talked to literally hundreds of people doing market research to really understand the personal narratives of this experience of living with obesity. And what you would hear nine times out of 10 is, oh, obesity. Well, you know what? I, I'm just carrying a, I'm just carrying some extra weight and I just need to lose some weight. And they don't want to hear about obesity. They don't want to think about it. It makes their head hurt. And it makes their head hurt because this is such a stigmatized condition because we are told over and over again in popular media that, uh, you know, with, with, uh, with the right diet and the right personal discipline and personal qualities. You can just eat less, move more and take the weight off and all will be good. It's false. And, uh, and, and, and it really neglects the fact that obesity is a problem of physiology, 
not behavior. Behaviors can contribute to it, absolutely. But the the central problem is physiology that that regulates your your body weight and your body composition being off kilter. And you need the smarts of somebody like Catherine to really sort that out, figure out what's going on in the individual and figure out the best way to get per, a person to a healthier state that they can maintain. And that's where I'll just say that the most important thing for uh, a pharmacist to know is that this is a chronic disease that they're helping someone with. It's not an acute, let's lose some weight and all will be well. Folks who've been around the block know that that's false. They know that the weight has a tendency to come back and it has a tendency to come back because this is a chronic condition, just like hypertension. Lower a person's hypertension and stop their antihypertensive and the blood pressure is going to go back up. Same thing with obesity, same thing. But most people are not really familiar with that concept because we're drowning in information about weight loss and weight loss puts you in the mindset of an acute problem with an acute solution. Catherine, it reminds me of opioid use disorder and the same stigmas that um, that are surrounding people that are dealing with um, that uh, that sickness, that chronic condition, and the way that they're treated and the way that even providers, because we're all human, and some people um, will treat someone differently, not understanding the condition. I think it starts with education of our providers first. So um, where do you see, what steps do we take in educating our pharmacists and educating our um, our techs who are in um, contact with with people that are that are suffering with with the condition of obesity? What do you tell them and and what steps do we take to to get them the right to get their patients the right treatment? Yeah, weight bias is a huge, huge, huge problem, and it's rampant. And you would assume that you know healthcare providers um, wouldn't you know have as much weight bias as other people, but um, healthcare providers, you know, we see tons and tons of weight bias among healthcare providers, and um, it can be a huge problem. Um, so, I my answer would be to just you know make sure everyone is reading appropriate information, not just, you know, the, the, what's in the, the popular press and <laughs> in the media, because right now, you know, if you just paid attention to the media, you would think that, you know, obesity could just be solved with a one size fits all approach, forget diet and exercise. Everyone just needs the same one medication that they could stop taking as soon as they lose weight. So I would suggest, you know, going to reputable resources, you know, reading, you know, information. Ted Ted brought up the Obesity Action Coalition, the OAC. That's a great place to find information. Um, the Obesity Society, T TOS, TOS, the Obesity Society um, has a lot of helpful resources. So those two organizations, um, Obesity Society and Obesity Action Coalition, and there are several others as well, um, are great places. There are also conferences or courses um, that uh, pharmacists, if they really want to do a deep dive into obesity, can go to um, to educate themselves. So obesity society, you know, annual conference, um, 
there's a great course called the Boston Obesity Course. Um, we're part of a Columbia Cornell Obesity Course as well. So um, reputable places to find good information, um, I think, will address you know a lot of of the bias out there um, in a way that can really you know reduce stigma and improve care. I think. I actually, I know that pharmacists that are interested in this specific um, condition with with patients that they know that are suffering with it in their in their communities, if they had an ability to learn more, to take their patient through a very specific um, step process to keep them on on a schedule or keep them on a treatment, just to back up what the physician has put into place. But it starts with the physician. The, the physicians are our quarterbacks of of kicking off treatments, um, and and your um, information that you're sending out every day, uh, Ted, is so important to keep the knowledge going. Uh, I'm going to encourage listeners of this podcast. I'm going to put your um, a link to your daily newsletter in our show notes so that we can have access to that and share that with um, pharmacists that are listening. But let's talk about where to start and the team building between um, the physician, the pharmacist, um, the the core uh, members of that person's family, friends, whoever's kind of there as as support, and of course the medication. Um, where do we start with how do pharmacists take that proactive approach and telling their patient, hey, we need to put you on a very specific plan that needs to be customized for you. It's not a one size fits all. And this is a long road to to establishing, you know, a better life for you. Um, what ideas do you have you can share with our listeners there? Okay, well, uh, I would start with, uh, with two things. Uh, one, I would start with the idea that uh, this is really a medical condition. It is not the result, as the whole world has probably tried to tell you for your entire life, of you doing the wrong things the wrong way. Now, that's not to say that uh, a dietitian or another health professional in this field can't help you with strategies to cope, but you don't have obesity because you signed up for the obesity club. You have obesity because you were born with the biology that made you susceptible and got that condition started just like nobody chooses to have hypertension nobody chooses to have diabetes nobody chooses to have high cholesterol and so you know there's nothing wrong with seeking help for it and it is a chronic condition it's not something that's one and done and you can you can solve it no matter how much uh that's getting thrown at you uh the other thing that i would say is find yourself a good provider who is board certified in obesity medicine by the American Board of Obesity Medicine. There are not so many that are that are fellowship trained like Catherine, but there are plenty who have invested the time to uh, really get the credentials to treat obesity medically in a sound way. And if I were going to have a part, well, I sought out physician for my primary care physician because I do live in the range of overweight and prediabetes and uh, I sought out a physician who understands the condition after having two primary care physicians who absolutely didn't 
and uh, we're getting you know we're 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 dealing with it much better now than I was before. Uh, so it's to have a good provider, you know. And then finally, uh, prepare for a marathon, not a sprint. That's what I would say most of all. Catherine, it's it's welcoming and exciting for me to see in telehealth using technology along with passionate providers who are drilling down into this issue and being able to deliver because Ted's saying, hey, find a um, board-certified physician who understands obesity. And as Ted even has said, it's, it, it's not just, you can't just open up you know, or go to Google and try to find someone when they might be states away, hours away. But now we have the world of telehealth that has come so far and was accelerated with the pandemic. So now it's here. And I think of the information that's out there that becomes confusing to the public about obesity, the injectable uh, medication, semoglutide, um, working with you know your hormones to curb your appetite. And it seems like just like Ted said, it seems like, hey, we have a solution now. Um, everything is going to be okay. But I believe from reading up on obesity for the little that I did in preparation for um, our interview that it is a long-term plan and commitment to become well and, and to become um, someone that can champion your own health and take responsibility and move <clears throat> forward. And of course, uh, uh, team up with what your physician and, and your pharmacist are doing in follow-up. So once again, what steps would you take if if you are communicating with a bunch of pharmacists who are like, I know I have patients that need additional assistance and additional treatment. How do we grab what IntelliHealth has done and the pocket and in and, 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 obesity specialists that you know that are out there and tying them all together as well as bringing the patient you know obviously the most important person in this uh, mix is our patients so kind of take all of those pieces of the puzzle our technology our treatment programs our specialist the pharmacist and our and our patient and give me a give us a an, an audio uh, blueprint of how to put that together yeah, that's a great question. We need really a team approach here to address this complex health condition. Um, and it takes every single team member to be a part of a patient's care to really give them the appropriate education and support to set them up for success. Um, so as Ted mentioned, you know, finding a good provider who is board certified by the American Board of Obesity Medicine or really, you know, up to date in obesity um, treatment um, to get to get started and then, you know, making sure that there is a ton of education and support because it's it's hard to understand all of the complexities. Um, and if you're trying to follow a medical plan, but don't understand why you're following it or, you know, what are the factors that are going to set you up for success, um, you may not be as successful. So, you know, finding a medical team that provides all of that education and support. So maybe, you know, a, a, a an approach with a physician, a nurse practitioner, a dietitian, a whole team. Um, and then the pharmacist, as you said, is a really, really, really important part of, of the mix. Um, you know, 
it's incredibly important for patients to stay on their medications long-term because as we've talked about a couple of times, if you stop a medication, then the weight regain will happen. And so having pharmacists be available to answer questions, address concerns, identify if there are lapses in treatment. When someone stops the medication, it's sort of the beginning of the end. So if we can get to people early and address what their concern is, have them talk to their providers before stopping a medication, or, you know, on the pharmacist side, notice if a patient isn't coming back for refills, you know, what's going on. This is a, you know, a long-term medication for a chronic disease, um, identifying, you know, red flags early to keep people from getting off course and being lost to follow-up. Um, these are really, you know, keys to long-term success. What are the obstacles right now that you see to helping more people with obesity? Is it our payment system? Is it a lack of specialty and understanding a condition? Ted, you, you write about this every day. So there's so much information that you've pulled into your writings to share with your readers. What do you think the biggest obstacle right now is to accelerating obesity care? Quite simply, the biggest obstacle for some time, and it remains an obstacle now, is bias and stigma. Bias about the disease, pre-existing ideas that people have that this is a simple matter of bad behavior, and, and that goes very deep in, uh, you know, if it's not explicit, it's implicit for a lot of people. Uh, and then in turn, that bias that this is something that somebody has done wrong, that turns into bias against and stigma attached to people who have the condition. So understanding that, I think if you're thinking about clinical consultations with people who are seeking help, uh, you need to start with meeting people where they are and understanding what their experiences are and what they're ready to talk about and what they want to do. It gets easier if they're approaching you saying, hey, I heard about this medicine that'll help me lose weight. Then you can have an intelligent conversation that says, well, uh, if, if, if you want help, I can tell you a little bit about that. But let me tell you that it's about more than losing weight. You know, and so that that understanding that people come with a lot of really difficult experiences where their interactions with healthcare providers are colored by people assuming that they are stupid or lazy or gluttonous or non-compliant uh, really has made many people living with obesity hesitant to engage with healthcare providers. That's interesting that it's really the, the stigma and as an obstacle to getting to that next phase and in, in understanding. And it, it ties back to what you were saying, Catherine, about understanding the disease in and of itself, um, di kind of dissecting it and getting into the reasons for it. Um, would you describe to the listeners how your platform ties into this type of treatment and moving forward and where the coupling together of our providers come into play? The physician, our pharmacist, you said dietitian. That's wonderful. My sister, shout out to Teresa. She's a registered dietitian. She's 
obsessed with helping people with uh, in different conditions with um, with diet and nutrition. And so tell me about the platform and how IntelliHealth kind of brings those experts together to to design treatment programs for um, for those that need it most. Sure. So IntelliHealth is made up of two kind of offerings, I guess you could say. One is our clinical services or our telemedicine practice called Flight Medical, F-L-Y-T-E. And we have a full service comprehensive care model where we provide all the care from initial visit to long-term treatment. And our team of physicians, nurse practitioners, and dietitians um, evaluate each patient. And again, you know, identify all the factors involved, you know, come up with a very personalized and comprehensive treatment plan that most of the time does involve uh, anti-obesity medication. And then we um, monitor our patients with our software. So we connect with devices, with scales, with blood pressure cuffs, so we can track how they're doing and provide education, provide the ability for them to do food tracking, exercise tracking, goal tracking, do medication adherence, um, all through our software platform. And so our other offering is, is the software platform. And we have some of our, um, you know, hospital systems that we work with that just use our software because they have their own providers, or we have our providers doing full service. And um, it's really a luxury as a provider um, to have the support of technology to really just streamline everything we do from, you know, the patient fills out an initial assessment, the health risk assessment, and that generates recommendations for the patient and also for the providers. And so, you know, for providers who are getting up and running or whom we're training, um, that can be very helpful to have, you know, medication decision support. So we've put together algorithms that take in all of the patient data and then tell the provider, consider these medications, use these medications with caution and don't use these medications and give the providers everything they need to know about, you know, who are good candidates for these medications, how to prescribe them, how to titrate them, when not to use them. So we've really set up a platform to be kind of the ultimate companion for medical obesity treatment, both for providers like me who've been doing this for a long time, but also, and kind of more importantly, for providers who are getting up and running and need the handholding to get really comfortable. Um, and to develop an expertise in what we're doing. And then on the patient side, they have all the support with all of these tools to, you know, help them with every step along the way, since so much support is needed to help people, you know, initially lose the weight, and then more importantly, you know, help them keep the weight off long term. So describe to me, um, Ted, how um how the medications that we're hearing so much about and pharmacists are inundated with questions around Wacovi and um, uh, what's the other one called? Now it's missing. Ozempic. Ozempic. There we go. Um, you know, once again, the the when we started out, it's the 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 public that are are non trained. Um, that just want that quick fix. They're like, wow, maybe this is something that's finally going to change my life. And, and it's a, it's a starting point. It's a tool, but it's not the end all be all. So how does this, 
how do these medications work and how does it tie into the long-term marathon that you had mentioned before? Well, uh, when generally speaking, and Catherine uh, told us that this is a heterogeneous condition. So generalizations just go right out the window, but I'm going to make the generalization anyway. When someone develops obesity, it's because the pathways, the neuroendocrine pathways through which your gut talks to your brain and regulates your appetite and the storage of fat in your body breaks down and it's not working right. And the reason the GLP-1 seem to work so well is because they interact with that conversation between your brain and your gut and I was just talking to somebody today, a journalist today, whose wife has been taking another drug that's under review by FDA for obesity called terzepatide. And uh, he he said, you know, his, his wife told him, uh, you know, I have never before had my body tell me when I was satisfied with food. Hmm. Uh, I might have an, a discomfort, but I never felt satisfied did you feel satisfied and he's like oh yeah i mean you know i've never had a problem and and uh you know i eat a little bit and, and i'm done because i just it's just not well that's what i'm discovering for the first time she said so it's really all about how your body's the pathways the neuroendocrine pathways between your brain and your gut say you've had enough it's okay this is good you're happy <laughs> move on uh, Catherine, you might want to add to that, but uh, but that's uh, you know without getting into the the detail of uh, this complex signaling that goes on, and we're still trying to understand the specifics of that. But uh, at a very simplistic level, that's that's where the problem lies. The, your body is regulating uh, your desire to eat just like it regulates the impulse. And it's the same part of the brain that regulates the impulse to breathe. You can hold your breath, but you can't do it for long because your hypothalamus takes over and says, buddy, you need to breathe. Yes, Catherine, I definitely wanted to pose you, you know, pose the same question because of our listeners being like, okay, uh, we have a basic idea of, of how these are working, but dig into it a little deeper about, how these um, these drugs are working. So anytime somebody tries to lose weight with any lifestyle intervention, so any diet, any approach that's non-medical, at a certain point, and even actually with medical approaches, we'll talk about it a little differently, um, at a certain point, our bodies fight back. And I explain this to my patients in that we have these anti-starvation responses that we've devolved over time to be very, very good at not starving. So with any diet, and you can commiserate if you've ever tried to lose five pounds, let alone a hundred pounds, at a certain point after any sort of you know calorie restriction, you start to get more hungry. You think about food more, your metabolic rate slows down, you burn fewer calories at a low weight than a high weight with the same kind of exercise. And our bodies basically sabotage our best efforts and do everything possible to push our weight back up. And 
for anyone who's lost and gained weight a million times, like all of my patients, um, it gets harder and harder each time. And as body composition changes, as you lose muscle each time you lose weight and don't necessarily build back muscle with weight regain, it gets harder and harder and age makes it harder and harder to the point where people come to us saying, you know, the same strategies that would work for some weight loss, but not even sustainable weight loss, don't even work anymore. And these medications basically work to kind of sensitize our brains to the natural signals that have been dysregulated that had talked about this conversation that's just not happening so that people can actually feel those fullness signals. And it, you know, it, they work in a variety of different ways, um, the different medications we have. And it's not just GLP-1s. We have many medications in our armamentarium, um, but they work in this area of the brain, the hypothalamus, that's the energy regulatory area of our brain to allow people to actually, you know, have their efforts lead to clinically significant and sustained weight loss without their bodies fighting back to make them starving, thinking about food all the time and unable to keep the weight off. Excellent. So for pharmacists listening in, knowing that they have a patient base that is in need of this true next step uh, treatment um, and and being able to couple the providers together to really understand it. Um, Ted, I'm going to ask you as uh, someone who has uh, has has been documenting this forever, day after day, which is just incredible. What steps do you do you tell pharmacists right now to take to prepare themselves to be better providers, especially for people that are suffering with obesity? So I would say uh, two things. One would be to study up because this is something that is going to be critical to your practice as a clinical pharmacist. You are needed as an expert on pharmacotherapy of obesity. And it has not been the case historically that pharmacists are expert other than to say, you know, than to, than to know that, that the drugs we used to have were pretty limited in what they could do for people. And now we have much better drugs. And in fact, the availability of much better drugs has led to a mismatch in the supply of therapists, you know, medical practitioners, expert in obesity that Catherine is trying to fix, uh, and the supply of these drugs has proved to be inadequate because the demand for it, the unmet medical need is so great that the people making these drugs are having a hard time keeping up with it, even in a state where relatively few of the people who need it are getting it, and the access to care is extremely, extremely poor. So this is going to be important for your future. Study up. If you want to go beyond this content here, the ASHP has a 20-hour certification in weight management which uh, would be a very good way to gain some expertise. Uh, there are more drugs coming. I was just at the American Diabetes Association, and the range of drugs that are in clinical development is truly impressive. And so soon we're going to have an armamentarium that starts to look more like the armamentarium of drugs that we have for treating, uh, for treating uh, hypertension or cholesterol 
And uh, another thing that's coming is the data on clinical outcomes in terms of major adverse cardiovascular events. Just recently, uh, the makers of, of, uh, of Wegovi announced the results of a five-year massive study of major cardiovascular outcomes. And for the first time, we have data that says, and this will be presented at the American Heart Association this fall, data that says there's a 20% reduction in deaths, strokes, and heart attacks if a person with overweight or obesity and established cardiovascular disease is treated for the obesity. So uh, this field is going to change lightning fast. The other thing that I would mention that pharmacists should know and be expert on is the idea of safe and effective use of other drugs in people with obesity. Because right now, the FDA requires everybody who develops a new drug for an indication other than obesity to provide for safe and effective use of that drug in people with hepatic impairment or renal impairment because, you know, liver or, or, or kidney impairment would might affect the metabolism and, and elimination of the, of the drug, and you need to adjust the dosing. It's equally true that obesity can affect the dosing and the effectiveness of a person with uh, of a drug in a person with obesity because that affects how the drug is distributed in the body it affects how the drug is eliminated uh, the lipophilicity has a lot to do with it and just as a for instance the labeling for rexalti a uh, an antipsychotic med medication uh, is not adequate for people with obesity, and about 60% of people who need an antipsychotic have people with schizophrenia uh, have have uh, have obesity. And yet, there are studies out there to say that the dosing information in the label will prevent a person with obesity from ever attaining a therapeutic level. And this is a project that I've been working on and having conversations with folks at the FDA about to say, we really need to study these drugs in people with obesity. They were excluded from the clinical trials mm -hmm. with uh, Brexpiprazole, and we really need that clinical information that's available in the literature to be reflected in the drug labeling so that people can safely and effectively use any drug if they have obesity. It's 42% of the population after all. Jeez. Mm. Wow, Catherine and Ted, this has been um, just the beginning. I hope that our listeners will reach out to um, both of you. I'm going to have connections in the show notes to um, Conscien Health, um, Ted, so that people can uh, read your um, your uh, blog, uh, which I think is just amazing. You put out so much content about it. And then IntelliHealth, um, you can learn more at IntelliHealth.co. Once again, that's IntelliHealth.co. Uh, I think we should do a follow-up with you um, in a year or two, Catherine, just to see where you are, as well as a shout-out. So many pharmacists are transforming into becoming specialists in pediatrics or a blood disease or um, weight management, for goodness sakes. There are, there are pharmacists listening right now that could become those specialists 
in being the right hand of our physicians who are specializing and have the specialty um, background that you have. Um, I want to encourage those pharmacists to reach out to you and to IntelliHealth to ask how they can become more involved and also supported by your organization. But um, Dr. Catherine Saunders and Ted Kyle, this has been absolutely wonderful. And I thank you for sharing this with our listeners today. So thank you. Thanks for having us, Todd. Thank you so much. As a pharmacy professional, balancing the demands of inventory management with your organization's business goals can feel almost impossible. Enter Order Insight, an expert system for U.S. pharmacies that delivers predictability in an ever-changing world. Spend time where it counts, control what matters, optimize intelligently, and collaborate with confidence with a partner that prioritizes your pharmacy's interests, not your suppliers. Join the growing community of 9,000-plus trusted pharmacies using Order Insight today. Visit GetOrderInsight.com for more information. That's GetOrderInsight.com.